Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writers Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! You guys, we have the uh, creative team, the creators and showrunner of Future Man on Hulu, which premieres on the 14th. Uh, welcome, you guys. Thank you. They'll know. It'll be, no- <laughs> it'll be November. When Don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> Off to a confusing uh, start. Please introduce yourself on the microphone so the listener knows what you sound like. Uh, my name is Kyle Hunter. Hello. I'm Ariel Shafir. And, Hi. And this is Ben Carlin. Back for more. <laughs> um, you guys, let's talk about the beginnings of this show. Um, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots wrong with us, and that's why we uh, try to put it all in a creative place where this, people can view it. <laughs> yeah. and we can this, be judged. This feels like the kind of thing that uh, a writing team may have lived with for a while. Like, if someone will ever let us make this thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's for that most of our careers. <laughs> just let us make it. Holy shit, they did. Uh, what now? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we originally started uh, developing it as a movie, mm-hmm. and that was like a two-year process, basically. Um, and then sort of, I mean, sort of on our own creatively, we decided once we got to the end of writing the movie that there was a lot more story hmm. to tell for the characters and the rest of it. And for, for this developing this kind of world, you really don't want to wrap it up neatly at the end of it, which always sort of felt wrong to us. So. That's an interesting thing. Let me, let me just interrupt for a second. Have you guys just tell the listener the basic premise of the show in case they're unfamiliar? Sure. The basic premise is that we follow this uh, young man named Josh Futterman who's a janitor and still lives at home and is kind of stuck in like a rut. Um, and he plays this futuristic video game and he's the first to beat this video game. And when he does, two characters from it come to life in his room and tell him that the video game is real, it's a recruitment tool, and because he beat the game, he is the savior of mankind, essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the basic premise. It's they think he's like the ultimate warrior because the world they come from video games are just training simulators because there's no such thing as leisure. Um, so <laughs> like, it's basically like a fish out of water thing where they think he's 
got these elite fighting skills and can do everything that the character can do in the video game because anyone who beats the video game in their time is that and he's just like a stay-at-home loser guy uh and comedy ensues after that so let's it's it's surprising to me to hear that it was uh you developed it as a movie for a long time um because it's the last starfighter yeah which is already a movie that we have (laughs) that's true that's true um so what was to you to your minds i mean Obviously, it's very different. It's sort of using that as, as the jumping off point yeah, for exactly. comedy. But in your minds, what was, like, tell me about that development process and how you set it apart and really make it your own thing. Because you do in the show. I mean, part of what set it apart is the fact that our main character was living in a world where, like, the last Starfighter exists and Terminator mm-hmm. and Back to the Future. So, you know, it was comedic in the way that he was able to reference these sci fi movies and use them to navigate this situation that he was in. Yeah, it's almost like his special skill set is knowing all these stories uh, of all these movies. So he applies that like the same way someone would like apply fighting skills. You know, he's like, oh, I know how to get out of the situation because it's similar to the story from T2. (laughs) But basically that does become like a big, they do become big plot points because he's essentially has more information about time travel and time loops and alternate realities than the time travelers. Yeah, their their tech officer died in the mission so they know nothing. They're just like two grunts so they don't know anything about like history they don't know anything about the tech they're just like two blunt instruments like dropped into this world that they don't understand so josh is kind of like their guide there are plenty um, of drafts that made no sense <laughs> we finally <laughs> ran it in and uh, yeah like was were those conversations in the development process yeah we were that, that was definitely something that we discussed and uh and ultimately we all agreed that like you know in order for you to care about the characters and um, for it to have like true emotional stakes, like it needed to be grounded in in some way. It's such like a crazy idea that mm. you know it, it required that kind of grounding. Mm. And tone is like the hardest thing when you're doing comedy. You know, it's you know for a long time there was just this trend where everything was like grounded and real, and mm. every sitcom you saw was a family sitcom. And and then the last few years, because of the proliferation of all the streaming networks and everything like that, like the people have taken more chances with comedy. And so this one was like, well, geez, we could make it a spoof, you know, or we could try to ground it and like just kind of create a tone that's our own and that's that's yeah. what we decided to which do. Which is which yeah, gives it a little more more to hold on to than just a straight parody would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um let's talk about some of the the business of that development. So you realize going through the movie development process that this was there's more here than just a, a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what happened next? And who are you developing for? Like what what was that like? We were developing for Sony film. Um, and then, and then we developed it for Sony TV because they own the property. Um, was it, what was that transition? Like, was that your idea? Did it come to you from the film side? Who came up with that? Was it Weaver? Who like suggested? Well, it came came out at also a difficult time where we're trying to develop the movie and then the interview came out at Sony. Oh, right. (laughs) We're like, oh, let's throw this through the TV pipeline. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, But but also it was the kind of thing that made sense business wise and definitely Mm -hmm. like creative wise for us because we thought we had a bunch of other ideas. We hadn't even really incorporated time travel, time travel into it. Oh, yeah. In the movie, it was more of like a grounded, like two people come back and then wreak havoc in in his present day and it was basically his mission took place in 2017 or 2016 and it was more about like whether or not the events were real or imagined was kind of how the the movie went Mm -hmm. there was a bigger like 12 monkeys uh 
That's right. <laughs> we like throwing a bunch of references yeah. in there. But we yeah. did hold on to the idea of it being a fake or being potentially that he was crazy. Right. In an earlier drafts of like this, for, even through the TV show for That's the first right. few yeah. episodes, but then we ended up losing that. So yeah. So why why get rid of that? Um, I guess. You know, we had it at the end of, I think, the pilot that he wasn't sure whether it was real or not and then discovered that it was. And I think we all agreed that, like, every audience member is going to know that it's real because we were leaving scenes from his perspective and going to other characters. Yeah. And when you do that, it's like, oh, obviously this is happening because why are we from a different perspective? Yeah, when you can't do that, sort of writing an emotional prison where you're like, everything has to be from his perspective. You have to justify literally every... It would have been fun maybe Mm. for, like, an episode or two, but then... You know, and you want, and and I think you wanted to feel the stakes right away. As soon as they land in his world, and then uh, break someone's arm, you wanted to feel (laughs) real and justified. Everyone sees it, and that's that sort of helps the stakes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So, uh, tell me about the redeveloping for TV. Was it hard to find that pilot episode? I mean, did you know you were going to streaming, so you could sort of break? We pitched to a lot of places. Four hours at a time. Uh, but obviously mostly like cable and streaming yeah. networks. Uh, no, I mean, I feel like the, a lot of... It was relatively easy to write the pilot because we basically took a lot of parts of the movie and mm-hmm. just... It was basically the first act of the movie <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, and incorporating a lot of other new ideas, obviously. But that wasn't too tough. And I think we... But we did have to... In the pitching process, we did have to break an entire season of the show in the pitching process. Right. And you pitch out that whole And season. pitch out that whole thing. A lot of that remains, but, uh, you know, once Ben got fully on board, the three of us sort of completely retooled the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, you then form a little writer's room, and it becomes a lot easier for the three of you to do it. Than yeah, but we actually had this weird, like, <laughs> just because the way these things work, we had this, like, weird period um, which I don't even know if I would call that our honeymoon because our honeymoon was on 50-50. But it was, I don't it think was, our honeymoon it was like ended. a second. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're still in the It honeymoon was like a, falling in love all over again. Yes. We had this like three-month period where we knew the show was happening, but we couldn't start the room yet just because wow. of the limitations of budget and schedule sure. and everything like that. But we had like – I knew I was doing the show, and we knew that was like the thing. And so it was like between the pilot – being picked up and be the series like the room getting going so we had three months two or three months where we basically worked for free <laughs> and love doing that <laughs> and uh still think we do best yeah <laughs> and uh broke basically the entire season like before the room even started to the point where like up in their office we have like our like kind of episode rundown that we mm-hmm. did and it like I think 12 of the 13 episodes are exactly, exactly as yeah. we wow. did that. So we really did a ton of work, which is a real luxury that you usually don't get. Absolutely. Before the room even started. So when we were pitched it out to the you know writing staff once it was gathered together, they were like, holy shit, like most of the work is already <laughs> what we done. Do? You know, well, we, what, so what did they? Like, well, what no, I mean, obviously you're refining things. Yeah. You're like, you know, you're, there are ideas that we thought were absolutely, you know, vital that we kind of, you know, just, you know, once people came in, you know, they brought so much in terms of energy and ideas and like cool things that we, you know, just the volume, you know, you just have that many more brains working on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but And, and the, then they, they did pick apart our time travel logic. Yes. I think that was really yes. big. Getting a room full of like 10 people and yeah. all who all have sort of different views of time travel. <laughs> yeah. So we had like some days there wasn't much writing. Yeah, it was, it was just, just blood, theorizing. Uh, theorizing debates. Yes. Wow. Lots of like of, on the whiteboard, <laughs> like, <laughs> lots of timelines and cross outs. And, That's crazy. Yeah. What, so what, do you remember things that came out of those conversations that informed the final version of the show? 
Well, I mean, the main thing really was just like, you know, there's different kinds of time travel. You know, there's like the time travel where you kind of create multiple timelines mm-hmm. and there's a time travel where it's like a fixed timeline and you're figuring out how all these events lead to the same, you know, outcome. Right. So it was a lot of that, like figuring out, like, you have to make a choice there, really. Um, and I think we probably prefer not to say what we... What we landed on. But, I mean, it was really was, you know, even though there's inherent paradoxes in any time travel, like there's no time travel thing that you could possibly point to that doesn't have something that you can pull apart. Mm-hmm. But we wanted, I think the biggest thing we wanted was to have our little world have like that integrity mm-hmm. that, you know, that these other things have that, yes, of course you can pull it apart, but there is a logic to it. Yeah. There's an internal logic and the characters obey those rules. And the, and so we spent a ton of time on that, sure. like a ton of time. Yeah. You can't just say there are no rules. Yeah. Cause then people not. don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. They really, really don't care if it's just like, okay, we can just change it up like that. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved then? Um, well, I've known these guys since we did fifty fifty together about five six years ago, um, and I was in a deal over at ABC that was winding down. And I, when these guys were shooting the pilot, so I came and helped out on the pilot a little bit in like an unofficial way, and always with the idea that Jesus is a really fun show. We'd love to work together again if it goes and it times up with my deal ending. I'll come on as a showrunner because these guys hadn't oh, really great. worked in TV before, so it was yeah. kind of just like the timing just worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd always, you know, we've always read each other's script and stayed in each other's lives okay. creatively. So I've been looking to get back to working with my friends because uh, <laughs> not that uh, the ABC Disney Empire isn't a friendly corporate behemoth, um, but uh, it's much nicer working with your friends. Sure, of course. <laughs> um, tell me about working in TV for the first time for you guys. It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> um, no, it's really well. It, I mean, creatively. It's really satisfying because you d- you don't have to like end a story basically, and the world is sort of like open ended. And I think yeah, the process of breaking like multiple episodes and really creating a world was the mo- one of the most satisfying mm-hmm. creative experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule is tougher. Yeah, it's a little harder, um, especially since we were you know. The stuff we were coming up in the room was like just our wildest dreams. It was our, like our wish list, and we were creating the most ambitious. And nobody said no. And nobody yeah. said no. I mean, yeah, to Hulu's credit, they did not say no to anything. And we were just like, we had the ability to like create a perfect world, uh, and we just had to pull it off, which was the hard part. <laughs> but it is like writing and filming three movies in the span of doing like one. You know, like it, it was, it was. A ton of fucking work. Yeah. <laughs> it, we didn't do ourselves a lot of favors with some of our choices creatively, which, you know, you just kind of learn as you go, especially on a first mm-hmm. year show. You could make the argument that as the veteran and the bunch, <laughs> I probably should have known better. But it, we were having so much fun. Sure. And again, it was, really was just a question of like, how can we execute it? It wasn't a question of someone saying, do it a different way. Mm-hmm. It was really just like, we have X amount of money and X amount of time, and here's the schedule, and how can we make it work? The other thing that was kind of tricky was we're not, you know, most half hour shows are 23 minute shows this is like a true half hour mm-hmm. we were every episode is right up against 30 minutes one of them is 34 minutes mm-hmm. so when you add that extra 7 to 10 minutes 7 to 10 pages that's a lot more production that's a yeah. lot more everything so we and then on top of that you're doing special there's effects. action yeah. yeah there's yeah, action fighting and 
I mean, we didn't have really, we didn't have traditional standing sets. We were, you know, because of the time travel nature, we were constantly turning over our sets to reflect new time periods. Hmm. So every part of our process <laughs> was not friendly to uh, production. We really needed more time, probably more money per episode, but we were all learning as we were going. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, hopefully in season two, we'll kind of adjust mm-hmm. for, for what we now know to be the nature of sure. the show. Sure. Do you guys, despite all of that, I mean, yeah. you made the show. And oh, yeah. Do you feel like the thing on the screen is the thing that was in your head? It's hundred percent far better. Yeah, honestly, that's great. Now that like we're finally like we're we had two more weeks before we just deliver the entire show when all the special effects and stuff coming in. Like a lot of the stuff we've been watching over the last like we just to sort of use our imagination and be like that's going to be a cool laser and like but now that like <laughs> sure. we're seeing these finished shows, it is like everyone's done it's an awesome. incredible job. Yeah. yeah, that's great. There's really no, I mean. Things are changing so fast in television, but there's really like no analog at all for what this show is mm-hmm. because it really it feels kind of like a movie in the terms of its like production value mm-hmm. and its scale and its ambition for sure. Yeah, and it's but it's a half an hour, you know, and it's like you, you see half hour shows when they try to do fight scenes and they try to do action sequences, and it's like you're you're wedging something into it, something that doesn't quite you know fit and you can feel that you know it's yeah. th- through the lighting and through the production design and everything and this we were really trying to make it like no when like there's a fight we want it to be like a cool fight and when mm-hmm. there's a chase and when there's an explosion it looks like a real explosion but obviously that takes a ton of time and expertise and then you have this all this comedy element as well um so yeah it was uh yeah it's really something else the show is really something else <laughs> <laughs> Guys, watch Future. Man. <laughs> it's really something else. November fourteenth. Um, let's talk about comedy for a second. Um, what is funny to you guys? Like, is there a a kind of a comedy that you think is your voice? We can look at the things that you guys have done and and say that that's you. I think all the movies we made are our comedy. <laughs> Some people might say that's all the same comedy, <laughs> something different. But uh, well, and that's you can put that down to voiced. Um, no, that's. Uh, I mean, you know, I think there's a there's a part to our comedy that has that at least an attempt at something intelligent, but it's uh, through the veil of. Uh, you know, immature humor. Dick jokes. <laughs> but <laughs> also, funnier than a dick, everybody. We also try to, you know, infuse what we hope is like heart into our comedies and, and try to at least have people care about the relationships and the characters because that, uh, to us, goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Like when it's just comedy and, and you don't give a shit, you just don't give a shit. Yeah, we don't care about the relationship between the hot dog and the bun. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you need, you need to. You need sticks. the hot dog. For sure. Um, what was the, the comedy stuff that uh, you guys were inspired by? What what did you love growing up, or what were, what was formative to you? Oh, man. I loved I loved Billy Madison so much growing up. I mean, I've, I don't think I've made anything that's quite like it, but that was certainly something mm-hmm. that I've watched a million times, and Christopher Guest movies. Um, yeah, yeah. As a child growing up with The Simpsons, I think. Oh yeah. I think like when I was a kid, like I was like ten when it first came out, and I'm just like watching that through my whole childhood <laughs> and adult years. That's like informed. I feel like that's informed a lot mm-hmm. of my comedy. I think that's true of a lot of yeah. people who write comedy now, for sure. And yes. Three Amigos. 
Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Which looms surprisingly big. Yeah. Like, I, oh, it yeah. comes up a lot, and I'm always surprised. because like almost perfect. How does their comedy blend with your comedy? Like, what's the stuff that you like, and and is it the same? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we tend we there's like a really healthy overlap. Um, I think that I, uh, you know, the, the kind of I like the uncomfortable like collision of something really silly and something really serious, you know, uh, and in a place that you necessarily like wouldn't expect it, and also things that can like hold multiple uh, tones at the same time. Like, I think that's the thing that excited us the most when we were kind of coming up with, you know, the world of the show was this kind of weird, it, sometimes it feels kind of arch and sometimes it feels kind of like earnest and sometimes it feels like so ridiculous. It's like we have characters saying the most ridiculous thing in the most serious way and how much can we like go up to the line where we're like, just like, like Dadaist at some point, <laughs> you know? And uh, to me, that was really exciting because you know it's a it's it feels like a thing unto itself it doesn't feel i don't know what else i could point to that has this exact tone mm-hmm. and in hearing it at the table reads and then seeing it and now watching it through the editorial process it's really exciting because it feels you know you get most energized when you feel like you're doing something i mean it's hard to do something new but like you feel sure. you're doing something that is that just feels like okay this is like an entry into whatever the like the canon is that has its own weird little number to it you know yeah. and maybe people will respond to it you hope people do i mean that would be great but like in a weird <laughs> way like i could not be more satisfied <laughs> sure. just for the fact that we've I, like i haven't laughed harder probably in my career than when the three of us were just kind of like hitting it on like coming up with this stuff and yeah, figuring it out and that's like that's great you don't yeah. get that very often sometimes you're just kind of like grinding right um I work with a writing partner. Uh, I'm not going to ask you guys to tell your origin story because I'm sure you've done it a million times. Is there a truncated version or a fake version you want to tell me? I I met him under a bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we met in university. Or we met right before that, but we went to McGill together in Montreal and had mutual friends and then... Started writing together. Okay. Not how long has it been? Spoken like a true Canadian. <laughs> yeah, That's right. University. Oh, I how did you go to college? Oh, no, Canadian. <laughs> um, how long have you guys been working together? How long oh, has it been? We started um, writing together in like 2002, probably. Yeah. That's a long right. time. That's a good long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you have your, I would imagine at this point, you have your process down. Yes. Uh, I'm always curious to talk to other writing partnerships to hear what that process is like. Specifically, I mean, the TV show is a different thing, obviously. It's it's sort of a group thing, and you had Ben there as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, when you're working on a movie... If you're you're in the throes of writing a movie, mm-hmm. what does that day to day process look like for the two of you? We sit at a desk facing the same way, yeah, at the same sit. computer with our knees touching. Uh, of course, do you really sit <laughs> at the same computer? We sit we at the exact same really? computer side by side. Four years in different cities, also. So that's oh, true. Really? At the at the when, when Skype first came out, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a great. So we got to like share each other's thing. screens, <laughs> yeah, which is a beautiful thing, and got to communicate that way. But yeah, we we work at the same computer. We've, we've figured out a system where we can plug it into a TV now, so one of sure. us can sit on a couch. But Which oh, one of you types? We take, turns. we take turns. Do you really? Yeah. You have to. That's why the partnership works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's typing too much. It's you know. true. Then you, you end up hating each other. You start to resent each other. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, and I assume like you break every, you sit in a room, you break everything together. Now That's, we do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we oh, break. Was it different? Well, when we first started writing, we just didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Sure. So we just 
were like, oh, it's the first scene of this movie. Let's go to the second Sorry. scene. We didn't really yeah, the first break time we started anything. writing, we started writing in final drafts and just kept going. Yeah, but uh, yeah, now we know to break things and outline them properly. And right. then, uh, yeah. you know. what was the first thing you guys wrote together, and how did you know it was working? Well, the first thing we wrote wasn't working, but but the first uh-huh. but thing the we, partnership, yeah, the partnership yeah. was uh, the first thing we wrote was a camp movie where like a kid went missing at a summer camp and like the counselors formed like a search party to find them. It was actually pretty similar to like Moonrise Kingdom, <laughs> although that's a far superior version <laughs> to what we were attempting. But we wrote it five years earlier, so he ripped us off. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that's true. No, <laughs> no. okay. <laughs> No? Okay. Pretty sure every single comedy writer ever has written a camp movie, guys. <laughs> it starts with camp. Yeah. And only what do I know when? Yeah. It's amazing. Um, um, but what, what about that early process was working? I mean, you guys were friends before you started working together. Um, it was fun. We were just laughing a lot, and we thought if we could do this as a profession, that'd be great. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah. actually, we were lucky. The first th- that c- the first thing we wrote got like options. Mm-hmm. So if if that didn't happen, then we probably wouldn't have have felt like this is a possibility at a career whatsoever. So, and we were fortunate to have like Seth and Evan reading drafts and giving us notes and pointers and teaching mm-hmm. us how to actually do it properly. So in a sense, we knew it was working because they told us how to make it work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're big on that sort of collaboration and mentorship, oh, totally. for Definitely. sure. How did you fall in with them in the first place? Um, I grew up in Vancouver with them. I was in high school oh, okay. with them before Seth dropped out. And, uh, yeah, so I've known them for years, and I also went to, and Evan went to McGill, which is the same mm-hmm. school. And I met Seth in Israel because our labor Zionist Jewish summer camps were <laughs> affiliated, and there was like a birthright style trip. I hope that's the movie. <laughs> I, it wasn't. I think we decided not to make it Jewish. No, just that would to, never get made because yeah. because of Kyle. That's a niche audience. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry, transparency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's interesting. So, so even during the process, you were talking to them, and it, oh yeah, it seemed like so. That must give you some hope that this is a real thing. This is a thing that can be done. Yeah, uh, working in this business definitely. And I think, and then even when we were doing that, they were. I mean, it was. It went both ways. They were giving us their scripts and mm-hmm. and like from like Superbad, Pineapple Express to all those movies. So we basically saw. Oh, that's funny. Like different, all the new drafts of their movies and then coming out and the rest of it. So we've we've sort of all been intertwined for a lot of years. Did you have notes for them on those? We yeah. did have a lot of notes. Yeah, yeah. What, they're very of, receptive. I, I mean, yeah, I've worked with those guys for years too, and like they absolutely, you know, cultivate a group mm-hmm. of people who they trust, and they show them early drafts of everything, and gather notes and make yeah. changes. Like they're they're not precious at yeah, all. They're no. not afraid of that. No, no. no. Uh, collaboration is the way they work. The best idea. Yeah. Have Always you guys works. been able to bring that to your own work? Yeah. Do you, are you as heavily collaborative? I mean, I can see here the three of you obviously had a great relationship for that. But oh yeah, the movies no, too. None of us are. Precious. There's there's zero attachment to anything. I would say. Um, yeah, we've learned that. Uh, yeah, our favorite ideas have gone up in flames. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've been hardened years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like that's that's the, the way you get the best ideas and the best outcome is uh, if you bring in like six people who you all trust and respect who have, uh, sort of have different sure. outlooks on things and yeah, being closed off is sort of the death of. Yeah. Comedy and writing. In my Were mind. you able to get that uh, sort of feedback and collaboration from the writers' room on Future Man? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, they were incredible. I mean, was, yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a really uh, good group of people who um, 
because of just where everyone was coming from, we're all excited for their own reasons about being on a show like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of it was because of their youth and some of it was because they were coming from the network world and some, mm-hmm. you know, so, and some of them, one of the best guys we had was, hadn't done a lot of comedy, but had done a lot of genre and was just really excited to like apply his genre expertise to something okay. that was like purely comedic. Um, so yeah, we, the enthusiasm and the ability of them to kind of, you know, spit back ideas or improve ideas or just come up with whole new things that we hadn't considered really made it you know, pretty, um, pretty special. You know, it was great. And our writer's assistant was incredible. And she was like a real, um, you know, sci-fi nerd and really like held our, held us to our feet to the fire <laughs> on great. like some of the logic stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it was like a really, you know, you, you never know when you're putting a group together that has never worked together before how you're, what you're going to get. Absolutely. Um, but we felt like we, really lucked out yeah I'd like to hear about the makeup of the room and the kind of stuff that you guys read and the kind of people that you hired it was weird you know when you're a new show and it's this we were doing it at a time that wasn't exactly lined up with like the traditional hiring season you know you're kind of stuck with like not everyone's available and you know I had a ton of people that I had known and worked with but a lot of them were either in deals or weren't available or we couldn't afford you know so you're really trying to kind of piece it together you know, hopefully in success, you know, people come to you a little bit more. Um, and so we kind of read a ton of people. Yeah. I mean, and what was uh, the stuff you responded to? The weirder shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah show is so weird. I mean, yeah, like Ben said, anything that had sort of a, the genre influence in some capacity, uh, like one of our writers was the man seeking woman. Who, mm-hmm. So that really sort of fits, yeah. you know, that, that sort of fit across genre. Um, but we read so many goddamn people. Sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was just people who were weird and funny, and and, and meeting some of them in the room, and basically sure. like pitching out what we'd come up with so far, and then seeing how they respond to it. Some like really latching on, and yeah. then we're like, oh, these these people are going to run with this idea. Hmm. Yeah, there were a couple of people who just in the room we knew they got it, they responded to the idea, they were like just kind of. Um, they would be able to kind of swim with us in that way. And then there were some people who you could tell people, especially would come from like a really traditional kind of network or sitcom background. Like it just was going to be too, like it was just the, the nature of their pitches was just like, Nope, that's just not They're what we're in, looking they've for. Been in that mode for so long. Yeah. It's hard yeah. To break out yeah. Of. yeah. But it's totally also like incredible. a, t- it's also a taste thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like this show has a particular kind of, you know, thing that it's going for. And, you know, it, it's either your thing or it's not your thing. And we just really tried to find people who, like, were going to yeah. respond to it. And then, obviously, the more you get into it, the more ownership people take of it. For mm-hmm. sure. Were you guys able to, in reading all of these samples, uh, like, how, how deep into a script do you get before you can tell that... Uh Someone is on the right. Totally way, depends. Way. I mean, sometimes you're like you're out after like three pages. Yeah, but I'll three pages, good or, good really? or bad. I would give it eight, eight to uh, ten. Okay, maybe 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 <laughs> five. Good to ten third of the script. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes you read the whole script just because you want to see what happens, Which especially on great. pilots. That's you know. We didn't read a lot of like spec scripts for like existing episodes or shows. No. I feel like that's no, not a people don't do that. Yeah, anymore. that's really just not a not a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. So you were um, reading original material. We read a ton oh, of original material and we read a ton of genre. We read a ton of hour long scripts. Really? Yeah, because we really were looking for people who could like break. Because the story, the show is serialized. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's high, heavily, heavily yeah. serialized. And most sitcoms or most half hour shows are just kind of episodic. So we really wanted to look for people who could tell that kind of narrative story that has you know goes deep. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, it is like. 
highly serialized. Yeah. It's the kind of show that could absolutely be binged, but Hulu is releasing... No, it's Power it's Binges. All, all are they doing all, it's all the of first, them? It's they're the not first, doing their usual... No, it's the first, first show time. that they've released oh, that's great. Uh, all at once. So, uh, Did you know that from the beginning? Was no. there a call to like make discrete episodes, but with a serial story? No, I think we pitched them what we had come up okay. with, and everyone really liked it, so from the get-go we knew what we were doing, and then certainly as scripts came in, they made the decision wisely that this is the type of show that not only needs to be kind of binged, you know, mm-hmm. or served up in a way that can be binged, but also hopefully would benefit from repeat viewing. I think so. <laughs> it's dense. Um, what the fuck just happened in the last scene? Oh my god. It's kind of amazing to be working with an outlet now that can adjust their yeah. uh, release model based yeah. on the content of yeah. the material. Like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of unheard of. Yeah. It's yeah. basically yeah. a 13-part movie, so, like, I think watching it over the period, of course, of several weeks would, I mean, it'd be fine, but I just think yeah, you're no. going to want to watch this over a period of a few nights. You get a lot more out yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every episode there's so ends much with, story like, a significant too. cliffhanger. Yeah. So that's, that's but there are also, I mean, you do have a significant cliffhanger, but... It is like like we said, like it's it's not discreet. Like yeah. they're not episodic. This thing, no. ru- this thing no. No. rushes oh, yeah, no. through. No, I've wanted to show <laughs> things to people, and the only thing I can show is the pilot because yeah, I'm yeah. like I, I can't show you this it's not going to make any sense yeah. you, know? <laughs> you need to see three episodes for that one joke to make sense sorry which I mean that, that really speaks to a thing that was conceived of as a whole right like that mm. you guys really poured over and there's so much plant and payoff and, and not just of jokes but of plot points and like it, it's clearly very well Thought out, yeah. and I guess it would have to be for such a. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I think the actors like there was some like in, like in the second episode or third episode they're like that's a weird joke, and then that weird joke <laughs> becomes one of the biggest like plot points yeah. of the entire <laughs> season. Right. They're just like what? And we have like I, we really tried to to write the season as if there were like four or five things peppered in like that that yeah. come that really do come together in like the final episodes. And well, I think one of the joys for us was coming up with something either silly or absurd or just completely out of the blue and then figuring out a way to work it back into the show like five or six different ways at yeah. different times from from like lines of dialogue but also just like core ideas that we thought would basically be like a throwaway joke and like oh no 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 we this is the spine away. of the season <laughs> <laughs> double triple quadruple down on this one yeah. but that's again I mean you coming from so many years of network it's not a thing you get the opportunity no definitely to not it's really cool De- definitely not no <laughs> um, alright so Future Man debuts the 14th of November there we go um People should, can check it out then and watch all of them. Spend yeah. spend a day. Yeah. It's yeah. not even a weekend. Yeah. Spend a day. <laughs> one day. Just, a half hour. It's a long day. Put Give. a bong down on your right. <laughs> exactly. And just <laughs> come to the morning light. Um, let's <laughs> talk about what you guys are watching on TV these days. What's getting you excited or inspired or, or in movies? Uh, ben, let's start with you. Um. Well. Uh, I watched The Deuce the other night. Mm. Oh, um, have you guys been watching? I have not. That was, that's the one I was going to mention. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. I, it's, it's weird. I've only watched two of the episodes, so I'm, so I'm an episode behind. But it's like, I can't, I mean, they're taking such, there's so much time to like set up the world in such a cool way. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, some slow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to hang in there? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm, yeah. Definitely Franco's having so really? much fun. It's so compelling. Yeah. 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 Even though like a scene can go on for yeah. minutes. Yeah. It's like, great. Give me more of it. But it's definitely not like a Franco show. Like, no. There's, no. There's like no. nine like stories that yeah. there seem to be servicing. Yeah. Is Crumble's funny in it? I haven't seen it. He's in the third episode. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen Crumble's yet. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start watching The Deuce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Deuce is a good one, yeah. yeah. People should watch that. Um, and then, obviously, Rick and Morty. Of course. I mean, Rick and Morty is the best show on television. Yeah. Did you, yeah. When you guys were talking time travel, mm-hmm. did you have to be careful not to step on it's stuff inevitable. they've done? Because they've done everything. Well, it's we, inevitable. Yeah. When we, well, we hadn't we, even we, heard of it. Yeah, we've been working on this, oh, really? this, this <laughs> show and movie for like five years. Sure. When we, I think like halfway through the writer's room, we just started watching... Rick and Morty, and we're like, oh, this is the best. And then became obsessed with it. Yeah. It is so I'd be like good. going, we'd be like break for lunch, and I'd be like going into my office to like return phone calls, and I would just be hearing <laughs> from their office the opening uh, theme song of Rick and Morty. Like, they're at it again. Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. Um, so what else? What are you watching? I just finished season three of Narcos, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. I uh, hear good things. I have not it, jumped in yet. I was skeptical because, uh, because and spoiler alert, Escobar gets killed in the second season. I was like, how are they going to keep the show going? And then it was amazing. It's honestly, it's... I, and you like get to learn Spanish. I, uh, I don't know. I dig that show a lot. Are you learning Spanish? Or are you just reading English? <laughs> I'm reading English and attaching it to the Spanish words. And I'm mostly learning... Okay. S- swear words. And, uh, <laughs> Droga but, uh, means drugs. I know rata means rat. <laughs> yeah, that's well, uh, Could have yeah. made that up. Yeah. <laughs> Plata is cash. That's it. That's all I've learned. Uh, yeah, the deuce for me, and uh, I'm excited to watch uh, Nathan for you, which is back. I was back. Yes. Well, I yeah. saw it, there was like a there's like a one hour like retrospective yeah, uh, episode the other night, and it's it's so funny. It was like a recap of like five people that he's worked with in the past, and like okay. catching up with them. But oh. Uh, that guy's a genius. Yeah. He's great. Insane. Good yeah. good answers, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Congrats on the show. Thanks Thank for you, you for having us. Appreciate it. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 